In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! April Fool's Day is come and gone, but on today's show... Three things to avoid if you don't want to be a fool with your money. Plus, Ryan Dietrich is here with Market Insight to help you avoid making foolish investment decisions. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And welcome in again to another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. Glad to have you along. My name is Scott Inman. John Shrewsbury, Janet Walker with me today on the back end of April Fool's Day. Yes, we know it was about a week to a week and a half ago. But it is the foolish month of the year still, early April, and we're going to talk about uh, three things to avoid if you don't want to be a fool with your money. I, in my household, we're not a big prank family. I mean, I know uh, that kind of goes away a little bit with age with some people anyway, maybe not everybody. <laughs> not everybody. My, my 12-year-old likes to do it, uh, but outside of the occasional toothpaste and an Oreo, uh, that's, <laughs> that's about the best best wow. practical joke story I've got. But well, Janet, you got one, don't you? I I won't tell my best one on the air, so I'll tell one from when my kids were uh, in elementary school. So I will first say it's a little bit lame, but the kids were at an age that they loved it. They got the biggest kick out of it, so that was all that really mattered. So um, we decided that we were going to take some brownies to the the teacher's lounge at school. And, uh, you know, this was back pre-COVID. You could actually go in the school and go in the teacher's lounge. And so we thought, okay, we'll make some brownies and put a little note on there. You know, y'all enjoy these from the walkers that type of thing well it wasn't really brownies they were uh it was pieces of brown paper cut out with like scrapbooking letter uh whatever you call those i can't even think of it right now but anyway we made a bunch of brown e's with brown paper and so that there were teachers who were actually like man i saw that pan and thought there were really brownies (laughs) in there and i was so disappointed and again i know it's kind of lame but the kids cackled over that all night long when we were even putting it together so it was fun the only thing i have to add to this is there is absolutely no correlation to the fool topic today and our guest today (laughs) i just wanted everybody to know that ryan depends on the day we love him you know but (laughs) no i didn't think that needed clarification but hey it's out there welcome aboard to ryan dietrich lpl chief market strategist Uh, ryan joins us about once a month on the get ready for the future show so there's your proof there's no particular reason that this show is about april fool's day and we're bringing you on <laughs> how are you this well, morning? I, guess I, I guess i should feel good about that thank you <laughs> yes yes <laughs> i wanted to make sure no one made an erroneous assumption ryan right there you go so we're going to talk markets with ryan to start off with before we get to the three things to avoid if you don't want to be a fool with your money but this insight with ryan can certainly help you avoid making foolish investment decisions so Let's start with a little bit of change uh, going on with um, LPL Research. You and your equity strategist, uh, Jeff Buckbinder, have come out last week saying, Ryan, that you're, quote, tempering your enthusiasm for equities due primarily to the rise in interest rates. So is this a, is this a big shift we're talking about or help, help define that, that, quote, tempering your enthusiasm? Thank you, Scott. Yeah, we're not fooling here, right? We, we, we look at things and 
We're tempering it, but we're not by any means turning bearish here, right? We still think the S&P 500 by the end of this year can get up to about four, between 4,800, maybe 5,000 or so. So yeah, that, that we're taking it down a little bit, a couple hundred points from where we were. And it, it, no major changes, but let's be honest, these concerns, and we'll talk about some of them are still out there. You know, the big surge in interest rates that we've seen and yields, I mean, you know, look at mortgages cracking 5%. What does that mean? Well, historically, when you have higher trending yields, that means PE multiples are a little bit lower. So let's just keep this real simple. Right? The stock market can go up if multiples go up or if earnings go up. So if it's gonna be harder to have a higher multiple on the stock market here. That means earnings need to be strong. We think we'll have strong earnings, but that's just one part of it. But you know, we all have the same concerns, right? Inflation, the Fed, the geopolitical concerns. Some of those things have impacted it, but to be honest, we still think we're in a bull market. It just might not be a um, you know a rip roaring year like last year. I think we can agree there, but we still see opportunities. Ryan, given this slight change in your outlook on equities, how does that change things in terms of the things that you guys do on a daily basis on asset allocation and particularly asset class favorites? Are there things that you are more favorable to under the current environment than you have been in the past? Yeah, John. So, you know, this time, let's say a month ago, right, we, I'm going to get a little wonky on you. We were overweight equities to bonds by about 5%. So we, we, we thought stocks would do a lot better than bonds. Now we're about 2%. So we still think stocks are going to do better than bonds in our portfolios that we run. We, we've tilted towards stocks, just not quite as much. And again, what does that mean? Well, we have made some changes just, just literally today. Um, we've come out, we actually upgraded things like consumer staples, um, you know, real estate's another one that we like. Healthcare, healthcare is more of a defensive sector, has a little bit of growth aspect to it, but we've actually grown a little more warm to those. If you remember, you know, earlier this year, we said we liked cyclical value, energy, financials, industrials. Well, we actually just downgraded industrials and financials. So we have been making some, some, some potential changes. And you think about what we've changed, the economy is aging, right? The Fed is hiking interest rates. So, you know, the cyclical things that did so well for a while, maybe some of these slightly more defensive areas could do a little bit better. I'll tell you, healthcare is quickly becoming one of our, um, one of our favorite sectors actually right here. Ryan, we're going to stay with the interest rate conversation for a little bit longer. While interest rates obviously are of some concern to your team, it looks like you're still expecting earnings to hold up well for the rest of the year since you didn't change your earnings forecast on the S&P 500. Talk a little bit about what your thoughts are there. Yeah, that, that, there's some good news, right? We kind of pointed out some potential bad things or scary things there, but there's good news. Corporate America is still really strong here. You think about it, since the start of this year, S&P 500 earnings were expected in 2022 are actually up 2%. Think about all the scary and just devastating headlines we've seen so far this year. Earnings estimates are actually higher, right? You look at what some of the restaurants are saying. People are getting back out there. They're spending money. Um, you know, those are positives, right? The consumer makes up 70% of GDP. So they're out there spending and things are still, the economy is still strong. It's just when you have the, the higher yields, it can impact stock prices a little bit. And that's what concerns us. But again, the good news, earnings are strong. And let's be honest, earnings season starts in about two weeks. So we're going to get another clue as to what corporate America thinks about, um, you know, how strong things really are. And we're pretty optimistic, though, that the economy is still on pretty firm footing. And it's going to be led by earnings. LPL Chief Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich is our guest today on the Get Ready for the Future show. I want to off-ramp to fixed income just real quick here, Ryan, when you talked about uh, equity overweight to fixed income. And then you, I looked at the LPL charts for 
all the major indices, including fixed income. And, and, you know, you look at the returns on that, it's looking like the equity returns in the first quarter of 2022. Give, it, give us the outlook on fixed income, especially with as it relates to that interest rate uh, environment that we're in. Yeah, Scott, I mean, we've had one of the worst starts to a year ever for bonds. Again, to keep it simple, when yields go higher, that usually means bond prices go lower and vice versa. They're inversely related. So when you had this huge surge in yields yields that we've seen, that's hurt bonds. Now, now the good news here, much like when stocks kind of are weak, and that's usually a time you want to potentially add, we're looking at bonds and we're seeing some, some of that same type of scenario. Again, when I talked to you guys three, four months ago, we said, hey, we like stocks a lot more than bonds. Yes, stocks haven't had a spectacular year, but bonds have really had a rough year. Now we're saying there could be some opportunity here um, in bonds with the rough start. Just think about this. Last year, the first quarter of last year was, again, one of the worst first quarters bonds ever saw. The next three quarters, bonds did actually fairly well. So we've had a real rough to the start to this year. And again, we think, you know, the, the, the um, all your yields have had this enormous move higher. We wouldn't be shocked at all if they, they found some type of a peak fairly soon and rolled over with some of the inflation expectations and Fed expectations that are out there kind of calming a little bit. And that could be an opportunity. So if you, you're looking to add some bonds, it's kind of ugly out there, but long-term investors know when things are ugly, that might be one you want to dip your toe in. So there's still opportunity there in fixed income in our view. Ryan, I'm going to swerve for just a minute and go wonky on you. Uh, I was watching uh, the, one of the uh, investment news channels this morning, and if the yield curve is not flat, it it is within the neighborhood of being flat. And just now, I was looking at the the 10-year yield is at 2.59. The 30-year yeah. yield is at 2.62. So you're you're getting almost zero differential between a 10-year bond and a 30-year bond. What does this portend as far as the economy is concerned. Yeah, that's the thing, right? The yield curve inversion. We've been hearing a lot about that, John. And historically, if you look back at like the last four recessions, we saw yield curve inversions ahead of those. Now, here's the thing you need to remember. We went back and looked at history. It takes about 19 months after the yield curve inverts and various curves have inverted the last couple of weeks or so. Um, you know, 19 months later is when a recession starts. The last four times the yield curves inverted. I'm looking actually at the two year, 10 year yield curve. Again, there's different curves you can look at, but the two year, 10 year is kind of the one most people use. Stocks gained for 17 months on average, gained almost 30%. That's the S&P 500. So it's a concern. Yes, the bond market's saying maybe a slowdown's coming, maybe something's happening here, but it doesn't mean it has to happen right away. And history would say stocks actually can do pretty well for, for, for potentially a couple years. We had a near a near yield curve inversion in 1994, all right, 94, 95, right around then. That was a mid-cycle slowdown, and stocks did really well the last, obviously, as we know, uh, in the 90s. We think we can have another or late 90s we think we have another situation where a mid-cycle slowdown takes place and maybe um you know still more opportunity longer term so yield curve scary but maybe don't be as scared as what the media makes it sound ryan let's take your 19 month timeline from that question and let's shorten it down just to the month of april uh, history tells us that april is is historically a very good month for stocks what are your expectations in the short run yeah, Janet, we think April's going to be pretty good again. I know the you know, last couple of days, a little weak, but historically, this is, this is a wild one. The S&P 500 has been higher 15 of the last 16 years 
during the month of April. Since 1950, April's the best month. The last 20 years, April's the best month. The last 10 years, it's the second best month. So that's that's just seasonality. And people say, well, why in the world is it? Well, earnings season kicks off also. Something about taxes. People get some refunds, put it back in. Just one of those things I'd, I'd rather know that April's usually strong. And final thing, right? Mark Twain said history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. We've seen major market lows in March in 2003, mm-hmm. in 2009, and in 2020. And April was really strong uh, those those years also. We think history could have repeated itself with a pretty significant stock market low this March and then maybe uh, some, you know, still some continuation to the upside. It's not going to be easy, but we think we, we, you know, this March might have marked another major low. When we look at some economic indicators, I know one of the big ones is the labor market, and I know your team is keeping an eye on what is becoming a tightening labor market with unemployment running now uh, at just over three and a half percent and over 430,000 jobs being added last month. What's, what's the concern there? Yeah, well, like you said, when the labor market, Scott, gets a little too tight, you can get a little too high inflation. And honestly, tight labor markets are historically signs of kind of late in the economic cycle. So those are some of the concerns. Now, the other way to look at this, we're about 1.7 million jobs away from making up for all the tens of millions of jobs we lost during, uh, you know, during the COVID recession. So that's that's a positive thing. But still, you know, we're we're pretty optimistic when you look at the labor market. We'll put it this way: go back to the other question about the yield curve, right? Everyone's about the yield curve and that's a recession. We've never had a recession when we're gaining three, four hundred thousand jobs a month. The next several months, we're going to continue to gain jobs. So, tightening labor force, yes, it's maybe a potential warning, but again, it's usually a sign also of a healthy economy, and that's something that we think is going to continue to drive the stock market and, um, you know, uh, profits as we head uh, into the end of 2022. Okay, last question. This one is important. Yes. <laughs> this is the most important one. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. What is the best April Fool's joke you've ever pulled or has been pulled on you? Oh, I've got one. Before I do that, I do want to say congratulations to Arkansas basketball. I was watching and rooting for you guys. Uh, yeah. Good season there. That was uh, always next year. The Xavier guy, we won the NIT, so we were number 69. So yep. at least you got to play in the big one. There but nonetheless, uh, so I was thinking about this. One time with my brother, he was asleep in the car. And I was driving, and I found one of those, like, if you got a truck that's driving, but it's got another truck connected to it that's facing backwards. Like, it's towing that other truck. <laughs> so, got, you see where this is going. Got, like, right up next to the other truck, yep. slammed on the horn, like, scream. My brother's asleep. He wakes up. He screams. He, you know, might have done something in his pants for all I remember. <laughs> it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty funny. So, that, that, was, that was a good April Fool's joke. Um, you know, he nearly killed us when he jumped out of his chair in, in the car. But that was a pretty good one. I, go. I did something along those lines to John one time. We'll yeah, talk about it more later. <laughs> talk about that that is the that's one of the easiest and most obvious to do but it is frightening there yes, is no question yes. about if you're on the receiving end no well, uh, ryan thanks very much for joining us uh, as always we are we are glad to have you when you join the get ready for the future show honored to be here and i'll see you guys next month thank Absolutely. you thanks ryan lpl chief market strategist ryan dietrich on the get ready for the future show helping us to uh, avoid making foolish investment decisions topic of today's show and there's a lot of influence on foolish investment decisions out there yes and i I think that's a you know important everything we talked about really was short term at least in the near term uh, when it comes to the economy and but it is always important to have a long-term investment uh perspective right and and that is always good to follow up a a short-term discussion we'll get into that that's pretty much one of our uh three things to avoid if you don't want to be a fool with your money. But we'll dive in with money mistake number one, and that's waiting to plan for your future. I think a lot of people fall into this because we are all concerned with today. We are all concerned with what's 
right in front of us. I've become pretty fond of saying it's hard sometimes to see past the end of my arm, right? The hand is right in front of me. I'm not exactly sure what's beyond that. Times like these can really uh, play a factor into that. Well, I'm going to wait for a better time in the economy when Russia's not invading Ukraine. You know, there's all kinds of reasons that we wait. I do think one of the number one reasons we wait is because we don't think we can afford to save because of all of our expenses. And we'll get into that. But it is never too early, guys, to invest in your own financial education. And I think we should start this conversation pointing out that we have lots of resources available, free educational resources for you on GetReadyForTheFuture.com, on this show, on our podcast, the Talking Sense podcast, uh, the fastest four minutes in investing. It is always a good idea to invest in yourself when it comes to education about finances. I just had this conversation earlier in the week with a prospective client. I said, look, education is the foundation of everything that we do, because if you are educated, then you're going to understand the why of mm-hmm. what it is that we're doing. If you don't understand the why, you never will stick with the what because the why will, will cause you to change. And if you don't understand that why, then then you're really kind of just wasting time. And I think that's really the, the key here is that you've got to lock in on education. But Janet, let's talk about the two aspects that Scott brought up. Number one thing, I think that, you know, I remember when I first started in the investment business, in my office, I had this little small office. It was smaller than yours here, Scott, just so you know. Not as small as your office where you used to work, but it was small. But I had on the wall a chart. And the headline of the chart said, there are always reasons not to invest. And it showed the S&P 500 and the progress the S&P 500 had made. And then every year of that chart, it listed some you know worldwide calamity mm-hmm, that had happened mm-hmm. that was a reason not to invest. But you juxtapose that against what the progress of the S&P 500 had been. And you look at that and you go, well, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. Why did I ever think that that was a reason not to invest? Yeah, I, I mean... You've you've really got to get to the point where you decide that your financial education is important and you're going to spend some time on this and and learn what you need to understand in order to be a better investor. Guys, this is going to seem a little off topic, but it, it deals with coaching. I was watching a, a video of some very young t-ball players. So like they're brand new to t-ball and y'all, it's just funny stuff to watch, you know, when a three or four year old is getting up there. So this one kid comes up and he is the ball has been put on the tee and boy he plants that left foot like he's a professional batter and you know he he plants it and he nails that ball and his little bitty tiny legs are just hustling to get to first base the next player comes up and he's holding the bat like in the middle of the bat doesn't know how to hold it to swing it and the coach is having to help him swing and his feet are not anywhere near where they're supposed to be (laughs) these kids are the same age and it's cute when you're four Mm -hmm. it's not cute when you're 34 and nobody's coached you on your retirement like you know which t-ball player are you the only reason that the one four-year-old was better than the other was they had had some time that somebody spent coaching them and telling them and they were willing to learn and it's very visible in that but what is not visible in your financial situation where do you need to have some coaching we have had a handful of uh, clients come to us and and be brought into the Genwell family here in West Little Rock in recent weeks that maybe they're around probably in their 50s and they know that they didn't do the things that they needed to do 
to be where they should be right now. And one of the things, and we're obviously helping them uh, deal with what they have, see how they can improve their situation between now and the time they retire. But one of the topics that has come up pretty frequently is I want to start something for my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because people on the back end of this, and I think that's mm-hmm. the that's the uh, point I'd like to make in all this, if you're waiting and putting it off for some reason to get started, is people on the back end of this realize the mistakes they've made and realize that time is fleeting to be able to make up for those mistakes. And they're focused on their children. They're focused on, yeah. I want to get something going for my kids because I don't want them to be where I am today. Well, and let's fine tune that a little bit. I understand that they think, the thing to do is to open an account and put some money in for their kids. And that's not a bad thing to do. But if you really want to make a difference with your kids, you will teach them about money and help them with that account. Mm -hmm. It is the the old adage of you can, you know, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. You teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. And that's where the, the breakdown in society is right now in terms of money and education. The two, for whatever reason, are not are not meeting very well. Now, there is a, uh, a move afoot in Arkansas yeah. to drive financial education in the yes. classroom, yes. and that's a huge deal. That's a big deal. But if you are intent on doing that as a parent, a grandparent, whatever the case may be, yes, come in and open an account, but also talk with us about our MoneyWorks program. MoneyWorks is a great program to teach young people about money. It literally, that's where the name comes from. We teach them how money works. And that is, I think, Scott, probably the best gift that any parent could give their child. I think, too, if you're looking for a practical step, if you're listening to this and you're saying, I don't I don't want to wait to plan for my future, I'm not exactly sure what to do. If you are working mm-hmm. and you have access to an employer-sponsored retirement plan, we're talking about mostly a 401k, it could be a 403b, it could be a 457, if you have access to that and your employer matches in on any level, I think the first practical step, Janet, is to make sure that you start contributing today enough of your paycheck to get all of that employer match. Yeah, we, we've talked about several times that if you're not doing that, you're literally leaving free money on the table. And some people go, well, aren't 401ks expensive? Well, they're not nearly as expensive as the free money you're leaving on the table. And if you're getting like a dollar for dollar match, then frankly, the expenses, whatever they might be in your 401k, and they're probably less than what you think, but the expenses don't matter. If you're getting a match from your employer, you're you're paying the expenses with your employer's money, if you want to think about it that way, and still have a significant portion of their money left over that is invested for you. And guys, the, the power of compound interest over time is absolutely dumbfounding. The earlier you get started on this, the better you're going to be. Janet, can I just borrow a biblical analogy here about what you said? And this is really an admonition to everybody. Stop looking at the spec of fees and start looking at the beam of the lost money. Oftentimes, people are fearful of it costing something, and everything costs something. Mm-hmm. But the the question that you need to be asking is, what is it that I'm getting out of it? And and not to to you know just belittle the the fee issue. A fee is important. Important and high fees are not anything that you really want to try to deal with. But think about the cost of not getting started. 
That's the real cost that, that could, could literally cost someone hundreds of thousands of dollars. John, we use the, the car analogy that we've used so many times in meetings when people talk about fees and they want like the least expensive way to invest. Well, the question is, what'd you drive here in? Right. You didn't ride a bicycle. Yeah. And whatever your vehicle is, uh, even pre-COVID prices, you know, it cost more than a bicycle. But the reason you paid more is because you wanted to have four tires. You wanted to be inside the vehicle and not pedaling it. You wanted it to have an engine. You wanted it to have heat in the winter and AC in the, in the summer. So those benefits were worth paying for. Is your independence in retirement worth paying for? Money mistake number two, trying to time the market. And we talk about this all the time on the Get Ready for the Future show. And I think we talked about it already a little bit today that equities are long-term investments. So everything that is going on in the world today with uh, the tensions in Eastern Europe, with inflation at 40-year highs, there are always reasons not to invest when you see the red numbers for a length of time like we have in the equity markets uh, in 2022. It can be very tempting to either park everything on the sidelines and not do it at all or look for the quick hit, right? The the big hitter that you're going to get rich quick. It's your lottery. It's your take it to the casino. But let's take a look at how chasing returns, John, is a dangerous game, especially if played with the money. You know, I think there's a place for individual stocks in someone's portfolio, but right. it's not with the money that you're counting on using for retirement. Well, and anything can can do this, but I, we've got about four stocks here that we're going to talk about, and we're not endorsing these stocks. We're not downgrading these stocks by any stretch of the imagination. This is just factual of what has happened. Peloton in 2020 was up over 434%. In 21 and 22 is down 82%. If you look at Zoom, it was up 396% in 2020, but it was down in 2021 and 22 by 66%. A couple of more. Pinterest, that's one I used to spend a lot of time on. And apparently a lot of other people did in 2020. It was up 248% then. And then, I'm sorry, 254% then. And then in 2021 and 22, it was down 60%. And then Square in 2020 was up 248%. And then in 21 and 22 was down 36%. Now, the reason that we're showing this, as John said, it's not that we have anything for or against these particular stocks. We just want to show you that rear view mirror investing is not wise. So if you think about if you were driving in your vehicle down in the interstate and instead of looking out your windshield and looking forward and periodically looking behind you, instead of doing that, you only looked in your rear view mirror. You've even got something to block the windshield where you can't see in front of you. That would lead to some pretty bad disasters pretty quickly. There's no way that you would drive that way. And we would propose that you should not invest that way either. The, the phrase is past performance is not indicative of future results. Yeah. By the time you hear about this thing is a big hitter, you're pretty late to the game. You're buying high. Right. Well, and let's let's boil it down to this. If you have to to um, react to something to think you're going to get 
financial independence, you're probably going to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, and and usually, as you said, Janet, the bloom is off the rose by the time you hear about it, uh, because the gains obviously in in these companies all were done in 2020, but they weren't so fortunate in 2021. So if you look back at the start of 2021 at the past performance of those stocks and went, wow, those are great, I'm going to buy into those, then you would be disappointed at this particular point in time based on where you got in at. So you've got to look at this and go, okay, is there a systematic, is there a methodology to what I'm doing? Because you don't get rich quickly in the stock market. You get rich slowly and you have to have a systematic methodology for doing that. And that's why financial planning is important. That's why having a financial coach is important because that coach will help you to stick to that methodology. Yeah, and again, if this is sideline money, that might be a different story. You can play with it. Mm -hmm. I always think that you consider it casino money. Yeah, it's money that you'd take the casino. But the reality is, is if this is, why are you investing? If you think about it that way, and it's in an employer plan or it's in an IRA, you're investing because you need to live off this money in retirement. You Mm -hmm. need an outcome of a successful retirement. So do you want to gamble on a successful retirement? I think everybody would say the answer is no. Yeah, and full disclosure, I have bought some individual stocks mm-hmm. myself just on speculation, but I bought it with a very small amount of money. Right, right, right. And if I'd lost it, it wouldn't have been that big a deal for me. But I don't invest my whole net worth into something or all of my accumulated savings into something on the chance that I might get a pop like these 2020 returns were because I know how volatile that individual stock can be. All right, finally, money mistake number three, buying into slick sales pitches. Now, this is one of our favorite topics to talk about because we are at our core at Gen Wealth Financial Planners. We believe the plan should dictate the investment strategy. So anytime we see the what we would call a slick sales pitch, it is easily identifiable because it starts with you need this. And the you is everybody because it's a a tv advertisement or something yeah Yeah. and 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 there are very few generalities in in personal finance because that's why you call it personal finance and and really a slick sales pitch does start with with that type of phraseology but i also think that there in this day and time Mm -hmm. with everything that's going on in the world everything that's going on in the markets and what have you there is an allure to risk free eschewing risk, putting it aside and saying, oh, no, we don't want to participate in any risk. Well, I'll tell you what's happening also right now is inflation. And Mm -hmm. if you don't participate in risk, there is no way you will beat inflation. And inflation is the silent killer in your financial plan. If you are sitting here today and you have $1,000 coming in and inflation runs even at 3%, by the time 15 years is elapsed, you're probably only going to have the purchasing power of about $700 as opposed to $1,000. That's real loss when you think about it. Oftentimes, market losses are on paper and yeah. they work themselves out. Real losses in inflation, very few times in our country's history have we ever seen prices go down. And, and the bad thing about that is the visibility or lack of visibility on the two sides of that equation, if you will, because yep. like you're saying, the market loss is very visible, but inflation, you don't see 
that the money that's sitting in a CD earning pennies, you don't see it losing purchasing power. You see it gaining pennies. So it feels like a move forward. But it in reality, when you think about gas prices, grocery prices, etc., with that same amount of money, you can now buy less than you could a year ago. So that's what John's talking about, that you have to you have to accept some degree of market risk. And we're not saying across the board, guys, this is why we do buckets of money. Right. Like, Some of it needs to be conservatively handled because that's going to be your income in the short term, but some of it needs to be more long term. And I want to circle back to just kind of the the sales pitch stuff as well. Um, This is one that my daughter uh, latched on to as a young teenager. At some point, we're driving and we're listening to the radio. And there was a commercial that came on talking about, buy gold. Gold has never been to zero. And so she says... Mom, if gold is so good, why are they selling theirs? <laughs> and I was like, child, you are wise beyond your years. <laughs> yes. you know. Yeah. But when they, they sell on this emotion yeah. of, well, it's never been to zero. You know what? The market hadn't either. Okay, let's let that one soak in. And then they sell on when the economy crashes. Well, when you look at the reality of that, if you go all the way back to the Roman Empire, there has never in history been a time in any country where when there was an economic crash that people went through the streets and said, hey, I got a gold coin. Can I get some water? No, what it looked like was you have water I have food, let's barter. That's what happens in a completely crashed economy. Your gold is worthless to me at that point because I can't eat it and I can't drink it. Here's the rule of thumb. If there is logic and reason applied to a a, uh, decision-making process Mm -hmm. on investments, then you're probably going to be on sound ground. Right. If there is emotion driving that or opinion driving that, someone's opinion, I heard that this, or uh, I had a situation, well, your situation might not be like that other guy. You've got to apply logic and reason to what you're doing. If you don't do that, then you're going to end up someplace that you probably don't want to be. So those three things to avoid if you don't want to be a fool with your money. We're going to go over those uh, once again as we get ready to wrap up. And you hear the final bell there. That means it is time for our final thoughts. And Janet, we'll start with you. So three things to avoid if you don't want to be a fool with your money. The first one is waiting to plan for your future. Be sure wherever you are, whatever your age and stage of life is right now, today's the best day for you to get started on it trying to time the market. We focus far more on time in the market rather than timing the market. If you try to time it, you're probably going to lose in most of those equations. And then the third one to avoid is buying into those slick sales pitches. Why do people make money mistakes? Number one reason is education. Number two reason is they don't have a trusted advisor walking along beside them, helping them to fend off some of these things. And look, trust me, there is a lot coming at people all day, every day. To have someone to filter that out and to keep you on track with your plan is invaluable. That creates good outcomes. So set yourself up to win in looking at that. Be sure to get education. Be sure to get a coach to help you along the way. And here's one way you can get some education. We talked about earlier in this show that there are some free resources available to you. 
from Genwell Financial Advisors. I want you to write down this number if you're listening to us today, 501-381-5228. Again, 501-381-5228. Keep that in your contacts because all you have to do is text the word CHECKUP to that number and you can find out for free with our 15-minute retirement checkup if you're on track to have a successful retirement. You can also, if you don't want to text that number, you can also visit 15minuteretirement.com. That's the number one and five and then spell out minuteretirement.com. But that number can be very helpful to you as well. There's all sorts of resources available to you from GenWealth. That is going to do it for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. We are glad to have had you along for three things to avoid if you don't want to be a fool with your money with April Fools in the rearview mirror. We will join you again next time. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.